God is good all of the time. We just sang, oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Why? Because he first loved me. He first loved me. He loved the unlovable. And he's been a friend ever since. Thank you, Lord. In Proverbs 18 and 24, I want to read a short scripture here. It said, a man that hath friends must show himself friendly, and there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. We use that a lot in, the, in, in our relationship with Jesus, but how many know that God wants you to have friends on this earth? And I want to talk a bit about friends, and I want to talk about the friendship of Jesus One of the most severe epidemics in our time, and I really believe that, is loneliness. So much loneliness in the world. And, and I can think of, uh, of, of social loneliness, and that is, I remember in the military, when I was in Germany, I was so lonely for family. And, and uh, that's a, a social loneliness. You know, you want to go home. You want to be around those that you love. But, but probably the greatest uh, loneliness is emotional loneliness. This is the most common type of loneliness. It occurs when we feel we have no one to share our deepest concerns um, uh, or who understands our struggles or our joys. My wife would often tell me when she went to Europe, um, you know, she said, only if you could have been with me. She said, just think of the memories. Uh, she said, I didn't have anybody to really share it with. And, you know, it's so important. You know, when you watch something, you look at the person to see how they're smiling, how they're, I mean, because we're social individual, and we really need that emotional attachment. When a married couple come uh, together, you know, they that that is so uh, so necessary uh, that we listen to one another, and I'll get into that in just a little bit. But loneliness is a very difficult th thing, and sometimes it's we that choose the loneliness, um, which is just plain unfortunate, and then we suffer the consequences. Every human being needs friendship um, on uh, two different levels. First of all, horizontal friendship, and that is where we need a meaningful relationship, relationship with other people. In Proverbs, it says, a man who is friends uh, must be friendly. In other words, we have to work on building a friendship. You may say, well, I've got 20 friends. Well, let me tell you what, you don't have any friends then because there's no way you can put enough effort into 20 friends to make them true friends. If you've got two or three friends in your life, you've got something that's very valuable because friendship takes a lot of effort. We, we have to be committed. Amen? Uh, you know, there are people that come into the church and, well, pastor, I am your friend, and the minute I say something that may not uh, agree with them, they're out of the picture. That's not a friend, let me tell you. A friend doesn't treat somebody like that. You see, I know this. I've become, I'm a friend of the church and I have, I've sacrificed to be here. And, 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 you know, when somebody says, well, I slept in, we imagine if you were sitting here and I'd slept in, you know, see, there's a responsibility that you have to people that are friends. Amen. 
And, and, and that means you, you get out of your, your normal routine if necessary. Amen. We need also a vertical friendship. The second part of uh, the verse says, there is, there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. That friend is Jesus. Unless you have a personal friendship with Jesus, you'll never escape Loneliness. I'm going to tell you, there are going to be times, I think of Job, when he had three friends. And when those friends showed up, even they could not uh, be the friends that he needed. He needed God, amen. And not only were the three friends wrong in their analysis of Job, but Job himself was wrong. And God had to correct him and, and to let him. He said, where were you when I created the stars and, and all of these things? Uh, and, and Job learned a lot of things through through that time uh, of suffering. And sometimes we go through those times, and there are going to be times when even the closest friend is not going to understand you, and that's when you're going to need Jesus. You're going to need to talk to him and say, Father, I mean, Jesus was all alone when he was, when he was uh, crucified. The Bible said every single one of the disciples had left him. And there he was. But let me tell you this. The, I think of the woman who broke that alabaster a box of ointment and that ointment, uh, I think of um, of, of uh, the the um, uh, thank you, Lord. I think of the disciple that said to him, "He said that is worth probably years' wages." And he said, "You know something? You waste it to pour it on the feet of Jesus." And Jesus corrected him. He said, "The poor you'll always have with you." But you know something, when Jesus was on the cross, when all had forsaken him, he could still smell the fragrance of that sacrifice that was given by that woman. I want you to know something, there's a sweet smell in sacrifice to God. When we sacrifice in the midst of her, when we sacrifice, and, uh, you know, and, and we go through uh, times that are hard, the Bible said that is a sweet smell to the Lord, Amen. And we just need to say, Lord, I know that you're with me, that you stick closer uh, than a brother. In Exodus 33, 11, it says, So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. Do you know God wants to be your friend? You know, there are people who, who, who they go through the motions and the routine of religion. But I'm going to tell you what people really need. They need a friend. I heard last night at the prison that, that the, the Catholics had showed up and nobody came out. You know what? People don't need religion. They need a friend. They need a friend. I'm going to tell you this right now. You show yourself friendly. And people will come because they have a desire, and each one of us have a desire for friendship. In James 2 and 23, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted unto him for righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. You see, we, we can be friends with God. I walk with him, and I talk with him all along the way. Amen? I want him to be my friend. You see, when you have Jesus as your friend, you have that vertical relationship so that when you come, you bring that presence with you. Oh, it's wonderful to be in the presence of those who have Jesus as their friend. Amen.
Because then you know and you feel that, you know, it's going to be all right. Because he's with us. In John 15, 15, it says, No longer do I call you a servant, for a servant does not know uh, what his master is doing. But I have called you friends for all things that I heard from my father. I have made them known unto you. Do you know we have no excuse for ignorance? But Jesus did say, my, my people perish for a lack of knowledge. I want to tell you this right now. God's given us the book. He's given us the knowledge. Just everything my Father has shown unto me, I have had nothing from you. I've given it all to you. Amen. This is the book. This is the book that bled and died. This is the book. This is Jesus. Hallelujah. And, and we can know him. Paul said, I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he's able to keep that, which I've committed unto him in the times of trouble, in the times uh, where I'm wrestling and, and having a difficult time. We need to realize that he is the God that loves us. So when we look at what a lasting friendship looks like, we need to look at what genuine friendship is. First, one that will listen. A genuine friend have open ears. You know, there are people you can be with them, and all the time you're talking, they're thinking about what they want to say. And I think every one of us feel that way sometime, and that's where we've got to bite our tongue. Remember what James said? He said the tongue is the most unruly of all the members within the body. He said, just like the rudder of a ship, he said, it's small, but he said, that little rudder can turn that whole ship and, and is so careful. Lord God, help me with my tongue to be a listener more than a speaker. Remember this, God gave you two ears and one tongue. He gave you two ears and one tongue. In other words, we got to learn to be a listener. And sometimes we, we, we don't listen because we don't agree. And I want you to know something. I'm sure that when you're praying something to God that he doesn't agree with, he still listens. He listens. He wants to know what's in your heart so that he can commune with you effectively. Many people are self-centered. They only want to talk about themselves. It's about me, my, my experiences, my uh, desires. I want you to know something, that that person will, will he'll shun away people that could be a friend to him. A true friend will listen when you speak and want to understand how you feel. Even if they don't even understand what you're trying to say, they want to know. And they want to draw it out of you. Because sometimes when we speak, the answers come from our own mouth. Have you ever had that happen? But we need somebody to hear. I've gone to the Lord in prayer. And I've had great concern about something. And I begin to pray. And all of a sudden, the very thing that I desired came from my own mouth. The, the truth was there. God shared it through my own tongue. It's important to allow people to share their feelings. 
even when you don't think they make sense. And you know what? You take it to the Lord and say, Lord, I don't really understand what that person was trying to communicate to me, but Lord, help me to understand because I care. Because I care. Jesus is our friend because he he listens to us. In Psalms 91, 15, it said, He, sh he uh, shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. Isn't that wonderful that God not only delivers us, he honors us. I remember when I was a young man, and, and especially when you had a, somebody come that was prophetic, or, or, or someone, that, it, it seemed like they could look right through you, and, and you would fearful that, that somehow they, they, they'd read your heart or your mind and, and would say things that, that, that would embarrass you. I want to tell you this right now. God is not a gossip. The only time that he's going to, through another medium, to, to, to speak to you, number one, it would be in privacy, because we know that Nathan went to David in privacy and told him what the Lord had in his heart. Why? Because David had distanced himself from the Lord, and it was the only way that God at that moment felt that he could speak to him. But God is not a gossip. He's not out there telling people what you're doing. He, he, he is out there. He's concerned for you. He wants you to be blessed. He wants you to grow up. He's patient with you. A true friend listens. In Isaiah 65 and 24 says of him, It shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they are still speaking, I will hear. I'm going to tell you right now, God hears your prayers. If you're going through a difficulty in your physical body and you take it to the Lord, the Bible said God hears your prayer. Why is it that people uh, lack in their prayer life? I think a lot of it has to do with the fact they don't think anybody's listening. The strangest thing is, is you've got people that do yoga and all kinds of strange things uh, and chant strange things. Uh, but yet as Christians, we don't speak to the Lord that made us. We need to be a prayerful people. The Bible says be instant in season. And the Bible said to pray without ceasing. And so what we realize is that my mind should always be fixed upon the Lord. Father, I love you. Maybe you've been, you've been uh, um, insulted. Or you've taken something uh, the wrong way. You want to give that to the Lord immediately. Father, I thank you that my vertical relationship with you it, it surpasses even my horizontal. Lord, I feel like I've been hurt, but I'm going to be faithful. That's what Job did. Even when his three friends that came and told him he surely had done something to sin and that surely he was guilty. And even his own wife came and said, you should curse your God and die. Let me tell you this right now. He rebuked her. He said, you speak as one of the foolish women. He said, because my vertical or, or my vertical relationship with God is more important than any horizontal. I must hold upon him. I must. 
I must. In Revelations 13:9, it says, If any man have an ear, let him hear. Jesus said, Let him hear ten times in the four Gospels. Let him hear ten times in the four Gospels. Jesus said, We need to have an ear to hear. How many of us take time to listen to the Lord? Remember what he said to Elijah when he said, go out, and he said, and find me. We, we, we've, I've mentioned that many times, and, and it was almost like hide-and-go-seek, you know, a hiding-go-seek. I'm going to hide, and you come find me. And, and he listened in the earthquake, and he didn't find him in the, in, the, in the whirlwind. He did not find him. In the obvious loud noises, he did not find God. But all of a sudden, when he was quiet, When he was quiet, there was something down within him that was speaking. I'm going to tell you many times, there's something down within you that is speaking. And that's when we've got to hear. And that's why Jesus said ten times in the Gospels, he that hath an ear, let him hear. And we find the same words in Revelation several times. See, listening to God is also part of the communication. We need to pray. We need to speak. We need to share. And sometimes what we might share with God may seem foolishness to God, but he loves you. He wants you to get that out. And sometimes when I speak something, it sounds stupid, and I realize, wow, that was inside of me. God said, yeah, and it's about time you get it out. Communication. But we've also got to take the time. And that's why David said, I meditate upon him day and night. I muse upon him, upon the days of old. All that God has done, I hide that in my heart. He said, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against him. What is that word? It is the words that God is speaking. Oh, God, help us to hear. Thank you, Lord. In Luke eleven nine, it says, So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened unto you. Ask, and it will be given you. You see, there are times when you know, a prayer may be answered immediately. There are other times when we struggle in prayer. I think of Jacob. He wrestled all night with God. Why? Esau was coming to kill him. He was desperate. He needed to hear from the Lord. And you know what? God moved the heart of, of, of Esau. He moved his heart so that when they did meet, Esau forgave him. You see, sometimes we just need to say, Lord, I pray, God, you will reestablish a friendship. That you will do, Lord, what I cannot do or anyone else can do. And James 5 and 16 reminds us, The effective and fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. 
But then we go back into, listen, in Exodus 7.16. This is what Moses says to Pharaoh. He said, And thou shalt say unto him, The Lord thy God of the Hebrews hath sent me unto thee, saying, Let my people go, that they may serve me in the wilderness. And behold, hitherto thou wouldest not hear. I want you to know that God is not a respecter of persons. Peter said that. God will speak to anybody that will listen. I think of King Cyrus when Nehemiah had a burden for, for the wall. And, and the Lord obviously moved the heart of the king to send Nehemiah to build a wall that had nothing to do with the king. You see, God can move the hearts of people if they're willing to hear. So many do not hear or heed the precious word of God to their own demise. People get into religion and they feel that they get into a form or a creed and they begin to do things like clockwork, but they really never seek to know him. Lord, we're desperate for him. We're broken people. We're not here because we're, we're, we're well. We're here because we need him. We're here because uh, we've, we've received revelation of how weak we are, but yet how great he is. God, we need you. We need you in this corrupt world. We need you uh, uh, amongst the craziness that is, is all about us. Though you may have friends with whom you have no common interest. Without a common interest, you really can't have friends. I'm going to tell you, I, thought, I think of my wife. She was a disco girl and I was a rock and roll guy. We never would have made it in the world. But the fact of it is, is we both have Jesus. Now, we don't listen to disco or rock and roll. I listen to the Word of God. But we had... Uh, we have Jesus. We have something in common, something that bonds us together. You see, here in the church, we have something, I pray, that is in common, something that binds us together. There are things out there, I'm sure, that we may disagree on uh, uh, or, or not have the same fancy for. But the fact is, is we do have that which is common. And to have a true friend, you've got to have something in common. And you know what happens? The minute we begin to talk about things we may not agree with, we need to remember what keeps us common and get back to that. My father-in-law was one that if he saw a cat on a counter, he would freak out. It just drove him mad almost. And he would, he would rant about, they put that cat on, you know, and all this stuff. And you know what, maybe your kitty gets on your counter. I don't know. But you know, when you get into a place of irritation, remember, what is it that draws us together? What is it that we agree on? <coughs> I'm wearing my voice up. <coughs> Thank you, Lord. I need that that strong 40-year-old voice 
Thank you, Lord. Jonathan, he was a faithful friend. But I want to go back to Philippians 2 and 7. <coughs> Bear with me just for a minute. I'm going to have to calm down. In Philippians 2, 7, it said, He made himself no reputation, taking on the, uh, the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of man. What we realize is that Jesus humbled himself to become human. And he knew that becoming human was an eternal decision. He'll bear the marks in his body all of the rest of eternity. He became human so that he could, he could feel what you feel. And the Bible said he suffered like no man. <laughs> he did it because he was a friend. You see, when you're acquainted with grief, that acquaintance can give you compassion. When you've suffered, it can cause a compassion to well up within you. And we know that Jesus is compassionate for our suffering, for our infirmities, and for our weaknesses. He suffered everyone. And he's patient. And he's loving. Because he is a genuine friend. Jonathan was a, a friend to uh, King David. When Jonathan's father Saul planned to kill David, Jonathan warned him and helped him to escape. You see, that's a true friend. Proverbs 17.9, it said, He who covers a transgression seeks love. But he that repeats a matter separates friends. And I've, I've shared this with you before, how that gossip will always bring division. But one that hears from a person, you know, sees a transgression of that person, they are willing through the love of God to love him in spite of it. At a funeral, I had a man come up to me. He said, didn't a man that used to be a pastor of that church kill people? See, that I mark as a divider. There was no, no necessary to that. Yeah, men break down and do things. What's that got to do with me? Didn't they say to Jesus, don't we know your brothers? Don't we know your offspring, your siblings? Jesus said, who are my siblings? Let me ask you, who are my siblings? Well, they probably could name the names of those. He said, my siblings and my loved ones are those who do the will of my father. 
You see, there always is an evil spirit that wants to paint you with something that's evil. There's always a spirit out there that wants to diminish or to, or, or to bring, uh, uh, you know, things against you. It may, reminds me in church many years ago when I was a young man in the Lord and, and I was gloriously saved. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And the pastor was speaking and a woman that doesn't regularly come to church. She was known, I think, as a divider because she never was faithful to anything or anyone that I know of. And she reached ahead to the woman ahead of her who didn't need to know anything. She said, that's his second wife. And said, no more. Well, you can imagine immediately the devil said, well, he's not even a faithful man. She didn't say that his first wife died of cancer of the brain and, and that he laid over that casket and, and cried. She didn't say any of that. She just whispered, that's his second wife. No, it was a truth. But see, doesn't the devil come and say, did God say? Well, number one, Eve said, well, I never heard him. I'm just going, but what? what this one says. You see, that's how subtle the devil is. He always, especially with the small body, he will come through and, and he'll whisper little thoughts and he won't even finish his sentence. And he'll use you or he'll use me. He used Peter. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Because Peter said, you will not be crucified. You will not die. Let me tell you this right now. Without the crucifixion of Jesus, we'd all be doomed. That was the work of the devil. The devil three times tempted Jesus. And every time his temptation was, you don't have to shed your blood. Because Satan hates the cross and he hates the blood because the blood was shed that you and I might enjoy life. Satan hates it. So he said to Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. So what we see in that is that Satan can use even our own words. And that's when we've got to say, Lord, forgive me for speaking that. You see, you have, uh, when you have a real friend, it's somebody who knows you in your leisure time. There's a lot of people I wouldn't want to run into in my shorts. There's a lot of people I, I, I don't really want to be acquainted with when I'm in my leisure time. And I'll tell you why. They haven't, they haven't shown their trust. To love. We're all human beings. Every single one of us. We all have weaknesses. Every single one of us. But you know something? A friend will embrace you in the midst of weakness. We'll walk with you. I've seen so often over the years when somebody falls or, or is um, 
or makes a decision that others don't agree with and they get they get shunned. Thank God God doesn't shun us. He loves us. He runs toward you when you're making a fool of yourself. He lets you know. In Proverbs 16, 28, it said, A perverse man sows strife and whispers separate, separates the best of friends. You see, we've got to know this one thing. If we're going to be friends, we've got to be willing to be committed one to the other. Because the enemy is out to destroy. He wants to destroy this church. He wants to destroy uh, the Christians. He wants to excommunicate people. He wants to put words into their minds that are not true. That's what he does. He has done it from the beginning and he'll do it until the end. He's a divider. He is a, he is a liar. He's a thief. He's a robber. But Jesus has been closer than a brother. In Psalms 125 and 2, it said, As the mountains surrounded, surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forever. He's committed. People who are into replacement theology believe in that God has ditched the Israel. He doesn't ditch anybody. He's faithful. God is committed. He's committed to you. Even when you feel like, Lord, I've not been the greatest friend to you. He said, I am committed to you. He said, I am the author and the finisher of your faith. I know your every weakness. I know everything about you, and yet I have chosen to love you. But the wonderful thing about God's love is he tells us the truth. You see, a true friend will tell you the truth. Even when it hurts. <coughs> Thank you, Lord. Proverbs 17, 17, it said, A friend loves at all times. And a brother that is born in adversity becomes... Uh, um, and a brother that is born in adversity. Because Jesus is our friend, he takes our burdens upon himself. I love what Peter says in Peter 5 and 7. Cast all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. He knows what you're going through. And I want you to know, you never have to go through anything alone. That vertical relationship will be with you when no one else understands you. Jesus loves you. Isn't that wonderful? He loves you. There are some that may say, well, if the Lord knew me, he would reject me. Because Jesus is our friend, we can count on him. He said he would never leave us 
nor forsake us. In Luke 15, it records the story of a prodigal son. It said, when all of his friends deserted him, his father accepted him. You see, we need to love. And we need to choose even when people don't do it exactly that way. I want you to know something. Everyone that's ever hurt me, anyone that's ever left in this church disgruntledly, I love every one of them. And if they would come through these doors, I would embrace them and I would accept them. Why? Because that's the love of God. In Romans 8, 28, it says, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose. In James 1, 2, and 3, and I'm closing here, Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith will produce patience. You see, we need to say, Lord, I want to be a true friend of yours. Peter really had a difficult time with that. But Jesus didn't forsake him. He said, go and feed my sheep, Peter. He knew that Peter denied him. He knew that Peter would deny him. But yet he was faithful to Peter. And God is faithful to you today. Whatever your weakness, whatever your problem, I want you to know that God will not shunt you. He loves you. He's committed to you. But he wants you to invite him into your problem. He wants you to be able to hear what the Spirit is speaking to you today. How can we hear him unless we listen? I'm going to sum it up with this one verse. In John 15, 13, he said, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man will lay down his life for his friends. You're not alone. And you never have to be alone. Because Jesus said, I'm with you, man. I'm with you in your sickness. I'm with you in, in your financial difficulty. I'm with you in, in, in times where you, you don't have a house to live in. I am with you. And I want you to know this right now. That is something that we've got, to, we've got to go back and look at and realize we don't have to walk alone. We can walk with him. He is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And so my whole thought, you know, and as the Lord laid this on my heart again this morning to say that I am your friend and I am with you. Don't look to the right. Don't look to the left. Don't lean unto your own understanding. But in all your ways, acknowledge me. I'll direct your path. I'll guide you. Don't fret about it. And there's a lot in the news today to fret about. There's a lot. Oh, and the devil's coming after us with the IRS agents. And this is happening. And that's happening. And all of a sudden, we get troubled. But he said, as I said Friday night to those in the boat, as they said, care, do you care that we're going to die? We're going to die. And Jesus stood up and said, oh, ye of little faith. And he spoke to the waves and he spoke to the winds. And they obeyed him. 
and then at the Gadarenes, and I'm closing, and, and, and there was a question asked, why did they, after he delivered their coastline from them demon spirits, why did they tell him to get? I thought about that, Barbara. I really did, because I really hadn't taken the, the thought. But the Lord, you know, he, he brought to me, he said, because just like a person who might get into a, a full-blown Pentecostal meeting, they get scared. And they want it away because they're afraid of it. And the thing that you need to realize is that scared the daylights out of them. They're thinking this guy is even worse than these guys because, I mean, he's more, he's got, just, just go. <laughs> get. And there's a lot of people, a lot of religious folk that would rather tell God to get than to allow him to, 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 to empower them to the depth that he wants to empower them. Fear. Fear. There are religious people today that have fear. Perfect love casteth out all fear. He says, don't, he says, don't fear. He said, if you ask the Lord for the Holy Spirit, will he give you a, a, a serpent? Will he give you, you know, something other than what you ask for? But there is a fear in surrendering all to the Lord. You know, there's something about the Holy Ghost that demands that we surrender. And that's why we sing that song, I surrender all, all to Jesus I surrender. We need to walk in a place where we don't feel physically comfortable, but yet we know the hand of God is upon us. We can be in the midst of that storm, and we can say, Lord God, I know that you are able. Hallelujah. When we're in prison, we can begin to worship and praise the Lord as Paul and Silas did. And watch the hand of God begin to move, so that even the jailer that night, receive the Lord and his family. Isn't that wonderful? You've got to realize something. We serve a powerful God. And Jesus said, I sent, I said, I did not take them out of the world, but I sent them into the world that, that the people would hear the good news of my power through them. I'm paraphrasing a little, but that's what he did. He said, blessed are the feet of they who preach the gospel. For how will any man hear unless somebody preach? And I'm thinking yesterday in, in, in the uh, interview that I had with, with uh, Richard Berry and, and how that he got into ministry. And I told you I was closing and I am. And, and, you know, and he was praying and he said, Lord, he said, we need a certified well. It doesn't cost a lot of money. We don't have the money. And he said he was driving down the road and a man was thumbing and he looked dirty and, 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 and you know, looked like a man in need. And, and he picked him up and the guy says, well, I'm homeless. I just got out of jail and I'm homeless. He said, well, he said, I have a place. He said, where is it? He said, it's right over in the next town and we can bring you in. He said, by the way, sir, what was your occupation? What did you do besides uh, the jailbird stuff? And he said, I am a certified welder. God took some, you see what I'm saying? The answer sometimes is not where we think it is. It's where we might not even think to look. But God has an answer. And that man, he said, was faithful. He became, uh, he, he got, uh, he was 
overcame his alcoholism and the drugs that drove him to the crime. And, and he was totally uh, separated from that life. And even though he could have gotten $50 an hour working for a company, he said, no, pastor, I am going to stay with you until the job is finished. He became a friend. And you see, I want you to know this, man. My God is a miracle worker. And he's a worker in your life, in my life, and we can believe God for great things. In the midst of all the... I'm going to tell you, the, the dark, and I'm closing three times. I'm closing. I mean it this time. The darker it gets, the brighter the light becomes. Remember that. And Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He said, hide it under a bushel, no. He said, people, let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let's all stand if we would. Father, we love you. I just want you to know that you're not alone. And whatever it is you're walking through, when you don't feel like anybody else understands you, God does. God loves you. God understands you. He hears your prayers. Allow him to be your friend this morning. And share that same friendship with those around you to love them unconditionally. To say, I'm committed. Marriages today are breaking up in epidemic portions because people aren't committed. Two wills living together is a disaster. I want you to know that. <laughs> but you know something? There's also a blessing in it. We need to be committed one to the other. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you that you're a true friend. Lord, how the Solomon in Proverbs penned the words, A man that hath friends must show himself friendly. And there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. And we know that you, Lord. You said you'd never leave us nor forsake us, but lo, you're with us always, even to the end. And God, we trust you. Just like those men in the boat, Lord God, that thought surely they would die. But you said, oh, ye of little faith, why do you fear? For I am with you. And I have the power over the winds. And I have the power over the waves. I have a power over politics. I have a power over the adversary. And I've already sealed his fate. And he has no power over you. Because you are mine. And I am yours. Stand with me, says the Lord. May God bless each one of you, and may the blessings be upon you, and that you have a great day in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.